0: Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm your host, Jamie Durant, sitting in for Ryan Cryle this week. And I'm joined by my fellow sports writers, Paul Third, Sophie Goodwin, and Andy Skinner. How are we, folks? We well, are very well. Thanks, Jamie. How's yourself? Good, thanks. Well, on today's show, we're going to start off by discussing the invincible at the minute, Callie Thistle, who are top of the championship, five wins from five. Billy Dodds was also named Manager of the Month. Uh, Andy, could things get any better in the uh, Highland capital just now?
1: Uh, not really, to be honest. Um, I mean, it was no surprise at all last week when Billy Dodds was awarded um, Manager of the Month for August, given just how how consistent Inverness have been. And um, I think the the impressive thing is just the winning mentality that seems to have developed, particularly taking into account it's Billy Dodds' first senior job as a manager. Um but you know they've they found a a real winning formula um a lot of tight one nil victories to begin the, the season, which you know are sorts of games that we've reflected on in the past as being ones that have tended to end up in draws for Cali Thistle. Um, so to you know manage to find the, the way to victory in, in some of those games has been impressive enough. But you know Saturday brought a slightly different Test for them come half time, given that they found themselves a goal down um, against a Partick Thistle team that have been doing really well themselves. So you know, for Inverness to to come back and and take a, a point from that would have probably been you know seen as a, a decent result. But for them to to go out and and, and win the game emphatically with a, a second half performance as good as that one was, is a, a real statement of of intent, I think, and a sign that
0: that things are going really well for for Billy Dodds. What's been the most impressive aspect of it? Do you feel? Because I think looking at the kind of the team selection, it's been fairly consistent through the season. And I mean, I think Kirk Broadfoot as well. When Kirk Broadfoot's scoring goals from outside the area, you know, things are uh, are going pretty well for you. Yeah, I, I think the most
1: impressive thing is probably the feeling that the the best could still be yet to come. If you you know look at some of the contributions that they're getting from the the bench. I mean, Aaron Doran came off the bench to score a, a wonderful third goal. Um, and you know you see what he's done for them in the past and and think that he could make a you know a huge impact still if they can get him injury free and uh, up and running we touched on the likes of Anthony McDonald, Billy Mackay, the previous week who had uh, had played against Bucky Thistle in the, the the SPFL Trust Trophy um and these are guys that you know can really contribute once again you know they're uh, up and firing um They've got a strong squad, and you know it's augmented by a, a lot of really talented young players that you know are only going to to get better as well. Cameron Harper, for example, hasn't played too much at left back because Robbie Dee's has held down that position. It's a, you know a real headache every passing week for for Billy Dodds to select a team, and um, I think everyone is really on board with uh, with what he's trying to do. Um and and knows that the the bar has been set
0: really high by you know the, the
1: eleven starting
0: players up to this point. So you mentioned Cameron Harper there, and there's obviously Roddy McGregor as well in in midfield. They've both recently signed new contracts. I mean, it, first of all, kind of how important a statement is that, and B, I mean, how do you kind of see their their futures going? Because I think particularly Roddy McGregor, I think there's maybe. Uh, a chance for him to, to step up to premiership level in the future.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the importance for Cali Thistle to develop young players has been highlighted um very recently by, you know, first of all, Daniel Mackay's move to to Hibbs. That that was a you know a move which which earned Inverness a, you know a bit of a, a bit of transfer money. Um and also Ryan Christie's uh move from Celtic to Bournemouth given the the in clause that Inverness had in, in that deal. Um, these are, are ways that Inverness are going to generate revenue um through through transfer sales and um you know that, that model is something that they they really need to to persist with. You know, we we've spoken in the past about you know their their youth academy coming under a bit of strain just through through finance and um you know the club were always really, really keen to to keep that in place. Um, it became more difficult for them to do that given you know the length of time they've now spent in the championship, but you know when you see some of the potential rewards that are uh, waiting down the line, um, it's it's really obvious to see why they're they're keen to give young players that pathway and and potential opportunity to uh, you know not not only uh, further their own careers but
0: um, you know benefit the the club in the, the long term as well. I mean, I mean it might be a bit too early to say, but do you feel there's there's kind of the makings of a have a promotion push there. Obviously, they've beaten Kilmarnock and Partick Thistle already, who are two of the teams that would hope to beat up their challenge at the top. They've Hamilton and Dunfermline are, are struggling so far, and I mean Dunfermline they're, they're travelling to this weekend. But if they're kind of putting if they're kind of putting three points on the board against these sides already, I think do you think it's an indication of what they're capable of achieving this season?
1: I think given the start that they've made, uh, uh, you know, they would be really. Uh, aggrieved if they didn't finish somewhere there or thereabouts come the end of the season, uh, just purely because they they haven't really got off to this sort of start before. It's tended to be the other way around, whereby they've they've taken a bit of time to to settle, um, be that through injuries at the start of the season or just a, a you know a difficult run of opening fixtures, but. For them to have when won their opening five, given themselves a real platform. You touch on some of the other teams that are, you know, were tipped to to challenge this season as well. I mean, that victory on Saturday put them six points above Partick Thistle, um, uh, who had been you know on a run of very good form themselves. Um, you look at Wraith Rovers and Hamilton Ackies, who were also tipped to challenge, you know, they're sitting eleven points behind Inverness just now. And then you've got Dunfermline uh, propping up the table on a solitary point. Uh, that's another team that you know everyone was expecting to to be in contention. So you know it's stealing an early march, on some of these teams is given Inverness a you know a huge boost. Um, they just need to you know try and keep uh, maintain you know that 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 form. Um, there will be setbacks along the way. We we saw with I think even Dunfermline themselves last season. Uh, started the season really strongly and then dipped a little bit after the turn of the year, but you know it was that start that was still able to to carry them into the playoffs. But if Inverness want to uh, aim that wee bit higher and, and go for the the very top spot, then um, you know it's it, it's very early to um, you know predict that uh, that that will happen. You know, they, they, there's an awful lot that they need to still uh, prove and uh, get right until. Uh, we can be talking about uh, a
0: potential title push. Well, I think you look at across the the championship, and I mean, I think when Kilmarnock came down this summer, I think people probably would have thought of them as the as the runaway favourites for the division, perhaps. Um, but you kind of look at it, and it is a, at the minute it looks like it's going to be a fairly even even spread. And if Inverness can steal a march on on those guys early, it gives them a tremendous advantage. Obviously, when it comes to when it comes to the business end of the season and uh, points become more precious. The other thing that they've proven in the past is that they can
1: string together really good form at the tail end of the season. Um, I mean, quite often uh, the the winters up here are pretty harsh on uh, you know both Inverness and, and, and Ross County, but I suppose Inverness tend to to suffer more through postponements, and you know that can bring around a, a really congested run of games and in, in recent evidence Inverness tended to den- to deal with that really well you know they it doesn't seem to bother them um you know when when it comes to the business end of the season they've gone on some great runs in, in that period so um last season was no exception even with with all the disruption that they faced um in terms of you know John Robertson stepping aside briefly and uh, Neil McCann coming in on an interim basis although that took time to to click into place once it finally did you know they they shot up the table and and were not far away from uh, finishing in those playoffs. So uh, no, it's it's a very rosy and healthy position for them to be in. But uh, as as I said, it's a a very
0: early stage of the season. You see, kind of touched on uh, Ross County there, and we'll kind of move over the bridge just now back into the into the Premiership. I mean, it's it's no wins in five for for County so far. Um, they were beaten. 3-0 by Celtic last weekend and they have had to come through a difficult run of fixtures. Um they've got Hearts at home this Saturday who have started the season really well. I mean, are there signs of encouragement there under under Malky Mackay or is there kind of still some questions that need to be answered, you feel?
1: I think it has been encouraging to a point. Um they've only got two points from from five games, but then I suppose you can flip that by looking at the the five teams that they've they've played against and and say that you know perhaps you know two points is above what people may have expected them to get from from that run of games i think crucially they have looked um well in most of the games um with the exception of the hibs one um that was the second game of the season down at easter road and, and that was one where they were pretty much dead and buried from an early stage but other than that they they've been competitive they showed a goal threat um, at Parkhead on Saturday, and you know it was notable that Celtic had obviously taken you know six goals off both Dundee and St Mirren ahead of that, and you know the feeling was that they they could have been a um, you know a really dangerous, free flowing opponent for for County to come up against. But County's game plan worked really well um, at Parkhead, I, I have to say. Um, they they really succeeded in frustrating the home crowd. And it took a, a massive bit of luck for for the Hoops to go a goal ahead um, around about the hour mark. So, you know, it was quite a, a late flurry of, of goals from from Celtic and County did have chances as well. Um, Ross Calican failed to get a connection on on one in the first half when uh, Blair Spittle played the ball across goal. Any touch there probably would have put County ahead. And then Dominic Samuel had the, the big one at a stage when County had already gone a goal down his header was uh, well saved by Joe Hart he probably could have got a bit more of a connection on it and um, it came to him quite quickly through a a, a ruck of bodies but um, you know big big chances and the fact that County were getting into those situations um, you know does bode quite well I think they now look uh, to try and carry that on into you know the next run of games that they have Uh, starting with with hearts at home and uh, you know the the onus is now on them to to try and you know bring something tangible out of out of these games rather
0: than you know plaudits for the the way that they've played. They've obviously made a kind of huge number of sign-ins over the summer obviously I think it was probably needed given the number of departures they had over the summer. Are we seeing signs of a settled side yet? Does it seem to does it seem to kind of the, your eye that Malky Mackay knows what uh, what his best side might be? I think
1: there's there's indications of how it will shape up, but it's just the, some of the personnel um, uh, yet to, to really be be completely known. I mean, the, Harry Clark is certainly a a certain starter at the back. Um, Jack Baldwin came in for Alex yakoviti who was out through illness on on Saturday. Um, So I mean, there's a centre half pairing. There are options there. Um, Further forward, I think it will revolve around Jordan White. You know, he's pretty much nailed down as a a starter. It's just whether uh, you know Alex Samuel or or Dominic Samuel are um, brought on to to sort of complement him. Alex Samuel played in a slightly wider role, uh, supporting Jordan White uh, on Saturday, but you know I think he would be more natural through the middle. Uh, there's a there's a lot of kind of un, unknowns really at this stage, but uh, you're starting to see some players stand out. Uh, Regan Charles Cook has been excellent in the last couple of games. He was by far and away county's biggest threat in an attacking sense on Saturday um, set up the, the chance for Samuel, but it's it, it inevitably with with 12 players coming in. Um, you know, there, there's some that we haven't seen too much of yet and, um, you know, the coming weeks we'll, we'll determine which of those, you know, find a,
0: a place within that, that starting eleven on a regular basis. We'll see what kind of team comes out on Saturday in Dingwall against Hearts. That's it for part one of Northern Goal. In part two, we'll move on to all things Pitodry. Welcome to part two of this week's episode of Northern Goal. We now move over to the Granite City for the matters currently at Pitoddry. Um Six games in all competitions without a win. Um, Aberdeen seem to be stuck in a, a bit of a, a malaise just now. Um, Paul, I'm going to trust your—it's uh, just your instincts here. What do you feel is kind of at the uh, at the root of it all?
2: In a sentence, conceding cheap goals and not ruthless enough when it comes to putting the ball away. I think that sums up. Aberdeen's last six matches. Um, I mean, look look at it overall. There are goals in this team, so I'm not unduly worried, especially with Ryan Hedges nearing a return. And you've got Marley Watkins and Austin Samuels now added to the forward options that Stephen Glass has. But there are question marks for me over what is a really inexperienced backline. I mean, Declan Gallagher's the one real senior player. The other lads are still, what, 21 and under, really. Um... And if you look at Saturday's result at Motherwell, they dominated at Fair Park, yet they've left the back door open and been duly punished. Two balls in the box, two headers, two goals. That's not good enough at any level of the game, really. But again, looking overall, it's one clean sheet in the opening 12 matches, and I think that is telling the story of Aberdeen's season so far for me. You go back to last season, at the turn of the year, they they couldn't score a goal for love nor money. Towards the end of the Derek McInnes era, now... It's keeping the ball out of the net, which Mm. seems to be the biggest challenge they're facing. And and that's been the big factor in these recent results. Is it too simplistic to say it kind of all started with a cup game at at Wraith? Because I think they'd obviously made
0: a number of changes for that game on the back of a European contest. But
2: were were the signs there that this was kind of coming? Um, I don't know. I mean, Wraith was a sore one. If you you go back the the previous week, he made, I think, half a dozen changes, Stephen Glass, for the trip to Livingston. And they got away with it really just due to Max Trijek's injury time fumble from Jack McKenzie's shot. Um, but Wraith was similar to Motherwell. They were so dominant, especially in the first half, they should have had more than J. Emmanuel Thomas's goal to show for their efforts. But the second half was horrendous. I can't dress it up any other way. The, that, for me, that's been the worst 45 minutes of their season. I, I know the manager said the team he put out at Starch Park was good enough to win the game. And the first-half display showed his judgment was right. That was his argument. But when Wraith put Aberdeen under pressure in the second half, the Dons just couldn't withstand it, and they were out of the cup. It's easy to be wise after the fact, but I think, would a full-strength team have lost that game? I'm not so sure. I think they had one eye on Carabaug, which was understandable, given what was at stake in a conference league playoff. The exit to Wraith, and the subsequent elimination from Europe has dented confidence. I think that's clear. But they were very good in the one-one draw at Hearts, in between that, the last two games against Ross County and Motherwell, either side of the break, have been disappointing. But I think more frustrating, given the possession, the team has had in both of those games, and they've got one point to show for it. I mean, this
0: the kind of thing started started well, and I think there was quite a lot of optimism at the start of the season with a couple of the European performances, and then I think the win. Um, done at Livingston as well. The way that kind of came. I mean, but with results the way they've gone in the last six games, do you think there's a wee bit of shine coming off the kind of the
2: Stephen Glass era just now? Um, shine. I'm 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 not, I'm not sure how. To, possibly, and I, I mean, you know what you know. If, if fans are like some will be like, oh, the man needs time. He's still got a new whole new squad. Look at all the changes, and then the next guy will be, oh, we knew we shouldn't have done this. Um, I I'm I don't decide on that. Stephen Glass is under pressure at all at this point. I think that's ridiculous. Um, I agree 100% with what Press and Journal columnist Duncan Shearer said earlier this week, in that it was his former Don's teammates' first real test since coming to Pataudry, but with this squad that Stephen Glass has got there, I'm sure he'll sort it out. We've had four new faces arriving in the final week of the transfer window, followed by an international break. I don't know if Stephen Glass knows his strongest team yet, but. I'm convinced he hasn't fielded it. Well he seems to have a number of options in the in
0: the forward areas. Just now obviously seen um Austin Samuels and Marley Watkins kind of came in fairly late on, and you've got Ryan Hedges to come to come back as well. And he looks to kind of be um stepping up his his kind of fitness bids. I
2: mean, should that give some encouragement? I think so. And and they're three very different players. Hedges can glide past players with ease, and he causes panic because other players are drawn to him to try and stop him in his track, and that frees up space for others to operate. I think if you give Marley Watkins that sort of space, he's going to take advantage of it, and he's he's a very good link-up man. Like, like Hedges, but just a slightly different kind of player. I think he's better in the air, better at holding the ball up, and really the third component of that is Samuels. We've only seen him fleetingly, but he's quick. He's really quick. I still, He looks more like a winger than a sent a forward to me. But those three guys, have, between them, I'm sure they can get the supply to Christian Ramirez to put the ball in the back of it. And, and that's what he needs. He he was hardly involved at all. Harry kicked the ball at Fair park on, on Saturday. And that's because he had no service. I mean, that happens to the best of players. Harry Kane didn't touch the ball in the box at all in Spurs' 3-0 defeat to Crystal Palace at the weekend. It's just It doesn't matter how good you are. If you don't get service... You can't influence a game, and Ramirez is a penalty box finisher. And if you can't get the ball to him, then we're going to have problems.
0: We've also got St Johnston at home this weekend, and they've yet to win this season. And at the end of the transfer window, sold the two best players with Jason Kerr going to Wigan and Ali McCann heading to to Preston. I mean, I think you've seen enough of these clashes down the years, um, Paul, to know kind of how kind of tight and congested they normally
2: are. I mean. Is it, I think it's a game they have to be looking at winning, isn't it? I think so. Um, but it's funny, you could you could take a comment I give any time Aberdeen play St Johnston, and just repeat it. Um, goodness knows it feels like this is the one fixture I seem to watch more <laughs> than any in my career. Um, and if I've learned one thing, there's rarely more than one goal in these matches, with the odd exception. Uh, put it this way, I don't see a goal fest on Saturday. Um, as far as St Johnston go, losing two key players has hurt them but we've seen in the head-to-head matches between these two, just how close they always are. Um, Colin Davidson's side struggled to get results so far in the Premiership, but they still are competitive. They're stubborn to play against, and they'll be looking at the trip to Putaudry on Saturday thinking, well, Aberdeen haven't won in six. This is a chance where we can get our league campaign up and running. So it's an important game for Both teams, I think.
0: Things are obviously a little bit uh, rosy for Aberdeen women just now. They delivered an impressive win against Partick Thistle at the weekend through goals from Eva Thompson and Maya Christie. Sophie, it's uh, the kind of the the result they were looking for, I suppose, wasn't it? The first win back in the uh, top flight?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think the three points was their main objective going into the game. And they've got that. They must be delighted this league. You know, the SWPL won is unforgiving, it's cruel. And even within you know the first handful of games, the league starts to break away. So the earlier Aberdeen pick-up points is good for them, and they've obviously done that with their first three last weekend. And with a good performance as well, I think it was a lot more improved from the Celtic game. They came out the traps wanting to attack, wanting to dominate the ball, and I think they did do that. They came out and even you know within the first five minutes they were going forward, Lauren Campbell was coming up the wing as a wing-back, and they did have, they did have an attacking presence, but I think what they lacked throughout the game was they played well and they created opportunities, but they la- they lacked that final pass for actual goal scoring goal, goal scoring opportunity. I don't think either goalkeeper actually had to make any big saves, but I think what Emma Hunter will be delighted with is her defensive performance. You know they knew coming into this game what part it could be all about. They've played them twice last season and the... SWPL two and they cope with it well Partick are a physical side they want to kind of control control the game by kind of pushing you off the ball and you know this is a young Aberdeen side it's maybe a side that you wouldn't expect to cope so well with the physicality of it but they did and especially you know I think Emma Hunter will be delighted with the resilience and determination of her two central defenders Jess Broderick and Donna Patterson who coped with the Partick threat very well going forward. London Pollard is a uh, Partick's new loan signing from Celtic, and she has experience at this level. You know, she's come from Celtic where maybe she didn't get enough uh, game time. She's come from Forfar Farmington as well, and she's a great player. But you know, hats off to Donna and Jess because they cope with it really well. So you know, not just not just three points, but a clean sheet as well. So I think. Emma Hunter and her side will be absolutely delighted with it.
0: Do you think that defensive solidity is something that the that much of their results are going to be built upon this season? So it's the first season back at this level for for a couple of years. And like you say, it's a young team as well. That how important is that kind of that reliability at the back going to be for them?
3: Oh yeah, it's going to be that will make or break their season. I think, you know, like I've said, this league is unforgiving. Um, you see teams like Rangers and Celtic putting seven or eight past teams. You know, Hamilton got beat 7-0 to Rangers at the weekend. I think they were 4-0 down within maybe half an hour. Um, so, yeah, I think keeping the goal difference to a minimum is going to be key because, you know, their ambitions is to be, you know, kind of about mid-table. And to do that, you're going to have to pick up points, but you're also going to have to keep your goal difference down as well. And I think it is a young team, but it is a team that is assured for themselves. You know, they know their strengths and that defensive performance is always going to be a strength. I think they've proved that even against Partick. It's not that, no discredit to Partick. It wasn't maybe the top, toughest opposition that Aberdeen will come against. You know, they're going to come up against Glasgow City, Ranger, Celtic, but they cope well with that. And especially considering the physicality of Partick, if they can cope with that, I don't see why they can't cope Against the the bigger teams as well, um, yeah, I think I think defensively, that is one of Aberdeen's strongest qualities.
0: They're obviously at home to Hamilton this weekend, who were on the receiving end of one of those results you you were mentioning there. They got beat seven 0 by by Rangers. Um, how do you kind of see this one going?
3: I think again, it's 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 another familiar opposition for Aberdeen. This is a team that got promoted from the SWPL two with Aberdeen last season, finishing as runners up. Um, so they kind of know what to expect. Last season, they both won their away fixtures, so Aberdeen got beat 2-1 at home, and then they beat Hamilton 1-0 down there. So, you know, they know they can beat them, um, and I think it's maybe the best time to play them. They're coming off the momentum of just winning 2-0, first points of the season, and Hamilton are coming up against, you know, a side that they know they can play against, but they're coming off the back of a 7-0 defeat. And... While their spirits will be dampened, you can also look on the other side of it where they'll be, you know, that'll spur them on and they'll want to kind of redeem themselves as well. So, you know, I think Aberdeen, they're in for a good shot this weekend. Um, I think it's looking like that they might have a few players back from injury. Kelly Forrest, you know, the message for her was to rest and she's done that. You know, she's, she's sat out on two league games now. So, you know, it's looking like she could have some minutes at the weekend as well as uh, Bailey Hutchison might make might make the bench so you know those additions will, will help them a lot and I think they will be looking to build on the momentum because for Aberdeen it is about beating these teams that are going to be in and about them by the time the league table kind of comes to fruition. they This is a team that they know they can beat and I think anything other than three points will, will leave Aberdeen disappointed on Sunday.
0: I think we've seen before with kind of promoted teams at, at any level if you if you say if you get off to a difficult start, if you don't pick up points early on, it can be a little bit of a struggle to get going. But if you get if you can pick up two three wins in your first five games, it can make a huge difference in terms of how you how you settle in and how you adjust to a new level.
3: Yeah, I think so as well. This is a league where I think for sides down the bottom end of the table, it points are few and far between. I think was it Hearts that finished last season. On eight points, you know, it's not a great deal, and to go your whole season only picking up eight points, it's it's disheartening for a team. And Aberdeen, you know, this is their their first time in this league in in a long time, and they're coming off the back of consecutive promotions. It's a young squad, so they will want to keep momentum. They'll want to get points, and I think, you know, off the back of the the Partick win, that'll have done wonders for the squad. You know, this is a time where these players are playing at this level for the first for the first time and to be able to kind of get your first three points and then look forward with optimism to pick up another three points. If they can get, you know, three points at, at at Balmoral this weekend,
2: the momentum will be even
3: greater. And I think then they will start to think, wow, we can really do stuff in this league. I think they think that already, but you know, when you start picking up points and you can actually see yourself in the league moving up and becoming consistent it'll really change the mood in the camp and it'll make it even more optimistic. Um, So I think, yeah, getting, getting points fast is vital and especially in this league, they will need to be picking points up against the likes of Hamilton because that is a team that will be in and about them at the end of the season.
0: Well, fingers crossed for another positive result for the Dons women this weekend. That's it for part two of this week's episode of Northern Goal. In part three, we'll discuss a rather big game in the SPFL. Welcome to part 3 of this week's episode of Northern Goal. We move down into the SPFL now for a rather tasty fixture at Balmour this weekend with Peterhead hosting their northeast neighbours Cove Rangers in League 1 for the first time this season. Uh, the two clubs met in the League Cup with Peterhead getting the ben- getting the uh, the better of Cove on that occasion. Uh, I was at Cove at the weekend for the 1-1 draw with Montrose. Uh, they're still to hit top gear. They kind of look look good in, in patches, but they're maybe not as clinical as they would they would want to be just now. Um they was, they're kinda of getting a few bodies back, um, with Harry Milne and Ian Vigas back in back involved after after illness. Um and they brought in a new striker last week, or or I who didn't feature um against Montrose. But there's there's signs there that they they're kind of maybe getting towards where they want to be, but I think there's an acknowledgement within the camp that it's not uh, It's not the kind of the, the cove at their best just now. Um, Peter Heads, that result last weekend against Clyde was massive for them. Winning 3-2, getting the kind of the monkey off the back of the, the kind of the losing run that they were kind of on uh, was, I think, will be huge for them. And they always seem to raise the game against Cove. So it should be... Uh, it should be an entertaining, hopefully an entertaining contest. Uh, I'm aware I've rambled on a little bit there myself, but I'll open it out to the f- to the floor, guys. I mean, what what are you what would you kind of be looking for? What would you kind of be expecting at uh, at Balmer this weekend?
2: Um, I I think describing what we've seen so far, underwhelming, would be how I would describe both respective clubs' start to the season. Cove, you can understand. They're a little bit behind because of the COVID situation they had in pre-season, which affected their their pre-season training, impacted massively. Peter Head, on the other hand, they they were looking quite sharp in the, the early stages in the cup. Uh, I think they won their league opener and then kind of just stalled completely. Just <laughs> stopped dead in their tracks and just couldn't couldn't get going at all. So yeah, you're right. Saturday was a, a huge result for Jim McInally and his players, they, they needed to stop the rot. They needed to get points on the board and try and get some momentum going. It's, it's an interesting one because you, you don't want to be the losing team in that fixture on Saturday. Because yeah, I think you then take a step back and go, this has not really been great for us at all. We need to get, get the finger out. Whereas if you're the team that wins, you're thinking, right... Here's a here's a line in the sand, a chance to try and build a, a bit of momentum. Let's get going. So I, I think I think you're going to see two teams going for it at Balmore. Yeah, they seem to have kind of been reasonably
0: well balanced these fixtures
2: over the over the last couple of years.
0: Um, maybe Cove kind of getting the slight edge last season with the with the league fixtures, but Peterhead were really impressive in the in the Premier Sports Cup back in July um, when they beat Cove. Um, they maybe kind of just lacked a little bit of confidence of late um they had had a difficult run of fixtures playing um, the likes of Falkirk and Edrionians and Montrose but I think the two results against East Fife um in the 3-0 defeat in the league and then losing 1-0 in the in the challenge cup that those were probably two games they would look at picking up results from but beating Clyde at home who always uh, they always pose a goal threat with David
2: Goodwillie. I think that should give should give Peter Head some confidence, shouldn't it? I think so. I think so. Um, and I know, I mean, th- what's always fascinates me with this fixture now is the number of guys that are in the respective camps who have experience of playing for the opposition. Um, that always makes for a, a tasty encounter. I think it's human nature. A player loves going back to his old club and showing the manager what he's missing or look look how well I'm doing. So I th- I'm expecting a feisty one. Um Peterhead should have more confidence now after that result against Clyde. But by the same token, Cove Cove will be looking at this as a game where we should be going up there. We we well, were still licking our wounds a little from the, the cup result, um, and let's see if we can go in, and put that right. Well, yeah, I think
0: Cove would look at that as a as a game that they that they need to be winning to to kind of start generating some momentum again because it seems to be the the pick up a a win and then it's it's a draw and then kind of back to kind of maybe drop some points. They have had the caveat that they have lost a lot of bodies during during the course of the season through illness and injury. They've had a couple of boys that have been out with COVID that are now back available again. And I think kind of uh, the, the only two injury concerns that they've got at the minute are Ross Draper and Jevin Anderson, um, who I don't think there's any kind of real-time time frame on, on their return. So I think they'll be looking at having a, a settled squad which, which for Cove just now is, it's probably the best they can hope for. They've got Mitch Megginson and Rory McAllister, who, and Rory's in a, a fantastic run of form just now. And I'm sure he'll, i uh, sure he'll relish going back up to to Peterhead and
2: facing his uh, facing the club where he he made such a big impression. That's what we should be calling it, the McAllister Derby. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what what can we say about Rory McAllister at this point? He's a wily old veteran, I suppose. It's the stage of his career he's at now, but he knows where the goal is. He knows how to put the ball in the back of the net, and he would love to go up to Peterhead and and score a a goal or two or even three. You know, you know how he is. Um, He's he's always hungry for goals. So he'll uh, he'll be worth the watching, but yeah, it's if 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 you stop him, you've still got Mitch Meganson to worry about. It's that that that's the thing that makes Cove start so surprising with such two such key goal scoring performers, regular goal scorers in, in their side. You, you would expect them to be doing better than they are, but you would surely think it's only a matter of time. Whether it's Saturday, I don't know. Moving on to to League Two and and Elgin City,
0: um, they drew one one with leaders. Kelty Hearts last weekend. Has it been a kind of a, a solid, if unspectacular, start? Andy, do you feel? I, I mean, this this result was a, a real sore one um, for Elgin. Uh, and,
1: I mean, on the on the face of it, a, a draw away from home against such a you know high flying Kelty side isn't a bad result. Um, but I mean, Gavin Price said it himself; it felt like a defeat. Um, you factor in just how much of a boost it would have been. To, to hold on for a victory down at New Central Park, um, given the form that Kelty have shown, would have been the type of result that you know Elgin could have hold could have held on to all season as being some sort of benchmark as as to what they can do against any team. Um, you know, so for it to to be kind of snatched away from them and and you know late uh, late fashion by Callum Higginbotham's 90th minute equaliser uh, was a, a really sore one, but I mean they're they're still there or thereabouts. The fact that they were so competitive in the game, um you know, will be some comfort going into Annan Athletic this weekend. It's uh, it's another high flying opponent that they're coming up against. Annan top the league just now, but I mean they they fell to defeat last weekend um against Stenhouse Muir. That's a, a Stenny side that hadn't won previously in the, the league this season. So I mean that suggests to me that it's going to be a, a really competitive league too this season, um, and I think you know Elgin have to to look at trying to get you know a run of results uh, themselves, which you know if, if it is to be quite a an even evenly contested league, um, you know some sort of winning run of form could um,
0: could be really rewarding for for the black and whites. Is it that consistency that you you feels maybe missing from maybe what well, separated Elgin from being up there for? For kind of a number of seasons, they're always kind of in and around the the playoff places. But is it kind of the ability to string a number of results together that's probably going to make the difference? between them kind of being in that same position again and finally kind of uh, making the the next step.
1: Well, I think that was the biggest difference for them last season in in being consistently in the top four because they they did uh, string you know several runs of results together. Um, I suppose it was it was the odd setback here and there that prevented them mounting a a stronger challenge on Queens Park, who ended up winning the league uh, comfortably. But I mean, Elgin were 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 very solid and uh, consistently in that that top four, if if not you know top two or three. Um, So it's it's trying to get back to that kind of consistency that you know has left them sort of sitting mid table, albeit an early stage of the season, but. I mean, the, probably one big frustration has been their their home form in, in terms of not being able to uh, capitalize on on some of the games that they've had. at Barra Briggs, um, you know, they they have traditionally had very strong home form. So you know, this game against Dannon will be a, a you know a huge opportunity for them to to try and um, ignite that uh, that that home form again. Uh, there's a bit of a doubt over Kane Hester who missed. The game against Kelty through injury, and they're they're still kind of awaiting a, an update on on him uh, going into this weekend. I mean that that would be a you know a, a very sorely felt blow if if he was to be out for for any period of time, given you know with the value that that he is is worth to their their attacking unit. I mean, he scored the hat trick uh, against Albion Rovers in, in the only league game that they've won so far. So, um, I mean, his his influence can can make a telling difference in in any game in in that division. And uh, you know, if, if he is to be fit this weekend, then you know it would be a huge boost to their hopes of uh, um, you know getting that uh,
0: you know second home victory of the season. Well, fingers crossed he uh, he passes a late fitness test and is able to take part. Uh, elsewhere in the uh, the Highland League all our clubs are in Scottish Cup action this weekend and for the latest Highland League news, views and analysis you can check out Highland League Weekly the uh, subscribers only football show on the Press and Journal website which is out every Monday. And I think that'll be it for today's episode of Northern Goal. Thank you to my colleagues Paul, Sophie and Andy for joining me today. You're welcome. Thanks Jimmy.
3: Thank you.
0: If you've enjoyed the show, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you've got any feedback for us, email northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk. As ever, enjoy the football wherever you are this week.
1: Hope you loved the episode, and if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.